Live from Gutter Cat Studios in the Metaverse, it's time for another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. And now here's your host, Crazy Carl. Hey, yo, what is going on? Thanks for hopping into this live Twitter spaces. And if you're listening to the podcast, hello from all around the world and welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. Today's guest is about as OG as it gets when it comes to NFT collectors. He was one of the earliest market makers of high-end punks back in 2017, with seven CryptoPunk apes and seven out of the nine aliens making their way through his wallet. Sotheby's recently paid tribute to legendary collectors, and he was rightfully chosen to be one of the collectors featured. He was buying NFTs before even crypto natives like myself had any idea what an NFT was. It's my insane honor to share this stage today with a collector that I look up to, the one and only Straybits. What's going on, man? Hey, Carl. Thanks for having me. Of course. You know, it's uh, it's it's kind of crazy looking back uh, four years ago and seeing just the kind of action that you were a part of in the NFT space. And it just goes to show how much of an OG you are. But I'd like to even take it back further. Uh, just to start the show, I always ask the same question, which is just to chat for a few minutes about uh, how you originally got into the crypto space and then the NFT space. Um, well, it's, I've been in the um, cybersecurity industry for a long time, um, and you know I got uh, Bitcoin on my radar back in I want to say 2013 or so. Um, you know when I went to uh, DefCon in Vegas, one of the big hacker conventions they have yearly, and you know there was a guy you know wandering around with a briefcase that was basically kind of a portable ATM machine, and you could like slot in a hundred dollar bill, and it would spit out you know a QR code for you uh, with your your Bitcoin purchase. And that was my kind of first exposure to like seeing it and, you know, grokking a little bit more about what it was and how it worked. Um, and then I bought some, like, I don't know, not too long later, you know, when it was around a hundred dollars and then sold it at $200 <laughs> to pay some bills, you know? Yeah. So that was all gone. <laughs> um, but then, uh, like in 2016 or so, um, yeah, late 2016, I kind of got to the, the place where like, <clears throat> like, you know, I had, had, um, not as many social ties tying you down anymore. Uh, my cat had died. My lease was up uh, at the place I was renting. And I'd always wanted to kind of go travel the world. So I um, I basically, you know, quit my job and invested half of my savings <clears throat> into Ethereum uh, because it sounded like, you know, amazing programmable money. Um, and, you know, when it clicked, it just it just made a lot of sense as, as a wise investment. Uh, you know, I saw like, Intel and Microsoft were getting their think tanks involved to start exploring smart contracts. And, and it was kind of like, okay, this is going to be a thing. Uh, so yeah, so I invested like half my earnings or half my savings into it. And then, uh, you know, booked a ticket to Sri Lanka, um, got some travel gear and a camera and, and yeah, headed out. Um, and then, yeah, right before I, I, I left is when I discovered the CryptoPunks project. That's insane. I mean, 
one one thing that I love about your story is just like that you had enough conviction where you're just like, I want to put half of my savings and just I just want to invest in the space. And it, it's uh, it's always fascinating because you started off similar uh, a lot as a lot of us in the journey and people even still coming into the space, kind of, you know, dabbling with the water uh, of cryptocurrency and you you got involved in Bitcoin but it's not like you had really a strong passion or conviction you sold it it was kind of like a flip but then you know you talked about kind of when you learned about ethereum was when that conviction moment happened and we talk a lot about you know conviction in the space because you really have to understand and have conviction to make it long term because you you need to understand what's happening and so I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about what gave you that conviction so early on with Ethereum, especially with so many Bitcoin maxis, especially when it was launched, saying that Ethereum, you know, wasn't going to make it. And still today, a lot of Bitcoin maxis still don't even give Ethereum credit for the ecosystem it's built. So I'd love for you to just kind of talk about the passion and conviction you found for for uh, Ethereum and the smart contracts and everything that it, it kind of involved. I mean, really, the conviction just came down to um understanding what a smart contract was and and how it operated and and the the sheer you know the power it gave um to being able to, to uh, direct finances and behaviors um and you know that reflected with you know against a, a network effect you know as as people tend to make things with it and use it more it becomes more valuable um and like i said when i saw like the big players getting involved in exploring the space themselves um you know with with those three things those three elements network effect the ability to program uh behaviors uh as just like an inherent part of the substrate and then big players getting involved it was just kind of like this trifecta that that you know made it made, made it a perfect i don't know choice if i want to put my conviction on something it's it's like you know in, in terms of what the future is going to be you know built on it just made, made sense to me um, and the more I learned, the, the more the more I experimented with smart contracts myself, uh, learning how they operated, um, you know, and, and networking with others out there um, and learning how pervasive, um, you know, it was becoming in the world. Um, yeah, it just it was just kind of a no brainer to me. You it's, know, I mean, Bitcoin is great for like the store of value for sure. And, you know, it's going to be relevant for a long time. Um, but like the ability to, to actually do something, to build something that's like a living, acting thing in the world. That's that's something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that you said that because I do. I mean, I, I believe Bitcoin definitely has its place uh, and as a store of value, it almost... It, I was a big uh, gold and silver maxi prior, uh, big Peter Schiff follower, uh, not anymore. But, uh, you know, I think I think one thing that I learned is like one thing about Bitcoin that's so great is with the store of value that it is, it's because of the it's so programmable, it's easy to be able to, uh, you know, transfer it. It's either easy to be able to break it up, which are all of, you know, some of the most important things about hard money. But when it comes to Ethereum uh, and what we've learned is like these ecosystems that's being built, it you if you've been in the system long enough, it really does feel like programmable money, like you said at the beginning of the show. Uh, 
And I'd love for you to kind of talk about seeing the evolution of all these smart contracts. Obviously, we went through DeFi. Uh, we went through so many. We went through the ICO boom. Then we went through DeFi. Now we're going through this NFT phase. But all of these different things were happening because of the smart contract and how things can be programmed on this network. And so I'd love for you just to chat for a moment, kind of seeing all the elements that you know were, were able to be applied uh, in this ecosystem and now seeing people really uh, completing transactions and needing, you know, just feeling like Ethereum, you know, one ETH is one ETH is something that's been <laughs> talked about a lot, but it really does feel like that if you've been in the system long enough. So I'd love for you to kind of talk about, you know, how you've, uh, how it's been, you know, watching the evolution of Ethereum since you've been, you know, here from the beginning before even the ICO boom, just uh, watching how it kind of got built up. I mean, I think it certainly has been a, a compound, compounding thing, you know, as you see these like layers of both abstraction and, um, um, you know, ability uh, kind of uh, added and baked into, um, you know, the Ethereum, Ethereum ecosystem, um, you know, like, you know, for, first the ICOs came and, and, you know, they were kind of like the promise of the future. And, you know, if we had a white paper and a roadmap and whatever, and, you know, decent PRT, and then you'd get attention. Um, but like, you know, the ICOs that survived kind of like the evolutionary pressures of that time, like, you know, are, are not, not a lot of them. I mean, um, I mean, there's some that are still like, you know, hanging on, but, but a lot of them just kind of fell by the wayside, uh, or were kind of like slurped up into other projects. Um, and, um, kind of the ones that remained, like, you know, they've remained because again, of the network effect, they've had value people have built for built on them and, uh, you know, built ways of that they can interact with other projects too. Um, so you sort of have this this confluence of these these different projects now starting to intermingle. Um, and then and then you know, following the ICO phase and, and the great crypto winter, um, you know, we, we got into DeFi where you know, like the, the ability to like structure some pr pretty profound like loaning and staking mechanisms uh, really has accelerated the space um, and rejuvenated it in a lot of ways. Um, um, and I think now, now like the NFT space is, is again, going to kind of like redefine how all these things operate as, for example, like, you know, there's lending programs, uh, that are starting up now. There's one called JPEG, I want to say, where like, you know, they're only starting with CryptoPunks, but you know, you can in theory get a, you know, a loan, like a very low interest loan with your CryptoPunk. Um, it's like, you know, you. You collateralize the CryptoPunk, and and I think they value it as like a floor punk, unless it's one of the exotic ones. Um, and you can get like a thirty percent loan, you know, so like thirty ETH, um, and you know, at a two point five percent interest loan, um, or three point five percent if you want to make sure it doesn't like get liquidated. Like you can, it's like an insurance, mm -hmm. you know, in case you in case you default, like they don't sell your punk automatically, and you can um, you can pay to get it back. But like the point is that like you know. That's not, it's not going to be only CryptoPunks, you know, valuable NFTs will now, you know, become a piece of collateral that you can put up um, in, in these DeFi lending programs. Mm -hmm. um, or there's or, or also, you know, the, the fractionalization of NFTs. You know, if we saw like what happened with the, um, the Doge NFT uh, that PlacerDAO put up on uh, fractional.art and like it flirted with a valuation of half a billion dollars US. Um, I mean, now it's like, it's, like, it's like half that. It's like 200, 200 something million valuation but still like it shows just how powerful 
some of these um, mechanics are when they're applied. Yeah, no, yeah. I think uh, I want to I want to just mention that when you were talking about that, I just continue to think about the evolution you talked about how it's kind of compounded on itself um, over the last few years, which I 100% agree. And we see that, you know, the true builders, the ones that come out, it's it reminds you a lot if you've been in, you know, a, a tech or a stock guy, like in the in the dot com boom, the the true builders that were able to stand the test of time are still around today, and and became kind of the empires of Web two. But they were around; they were just kind of the hidden gems, and you see that still today. You know, Binance could be an example that was kind of born out of that ICO craze, and now is you know flourishing. And there's a lot of a lot of other projects that are doing a lot of building in the space. But for a long time in this in the crypto ecosystem. It was a lot of tech guys. It was a lot of investing guys. It was a lot of it was a lot of people that really saw the potential of the technology, or they were in it to uh, to to flip and to trade. Um, but now we were talking about this a little bit in the pre-show when NFTs come in. I love that you mentioned like how the intersection of everything that's been built in the Ethereum ecosystem. Because new people don't even realize, uh, you know, people that just got in this year because they're creatives and they love making art and they're into NFTs. Some of them don't realize, you know, the the years of uh, infrastructure that's already been built and, you know, what's going to happen when we can kind of easily cross over and the intersection between like DeFi platforms uh, intersect with NFTs. And now it's like you're on, it doesn't matter how you're onboarded. When you're in the ecosystem, you just continue to learn about all of these new elements that you can use. So how important has it been in terms of NFTs to kind of bring in a new culture and a new, uh, you know, population to this ecosystem of Web3. I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts about how important that is and uh, this this year of like onboarding that's been happening, how essential that is to the future of this ecosystem. No, that's an excellent point. I mean, um, because NFTs uh, tend to center more around art and creatives, um, you know, whether it's music or, you know, visual pieces um, um, or something else, but like it does bring in, tend to bring in people that do have a different perspective on the world. And I mean, that's, that's really how you get, um, I think that's how you create something new um, is, is you need more perspectives added to the, uh, you know, to the, the concophony, to the, you know, um, to the community to understand where it's going to go. Um, and again, I think this is what's bled into um why the NFT community specifically is has a lot more like heart to it, a lot more empathy between people is just because of these people have been onboarded and who are attracted because of the art and the culture. Um, I mean, like, I, I think I think different perspectives is incredibly powerful. Um, and so, anytime you can build people who or bring people in who who are both builders and have a a, a large variety of different perspectives, you know, then you 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 get something very powerful where you have people from all sorts of walks of life offering the perspectives on whatever, you know, problem or creation that we're centrally, you know, or decentrally looking at, uh, trying to evoke. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, like what's the difference between shit and fertilizer, you know, perspective, <laughs> that's right. the only difference, you know, and, and one, and one grows something, you know, not to say like it's shit out there, but like shitty things happen. We had the, you know, the, the ICO winter 
Um, you know, and I went into hibernation during that period too. It was kind of like, oh, you know, I've got to put this down for a little while. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, the, the NF, NFT space brings like, yeah, like a, this this very sort of like warm, warm glow, you know, a hearth fire to, to warm yourself by in, in the winter. I don't, I don't know how to put it. It's, it's, it's just been like a rom- more romantic notion to me yeah. than, than some of the austere um, kind of looks of, of just finance. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I mean, we talked about it in the pre-show, but uh, we I said, you know, it felt a lot more like we were all kind of on our own islands trying to learn about the space or investing or getting involved, especially if you weren't um, building. And in order to build in this ecosystem, uh, you you really had to have a, a, a sort of technical background in um, coding and smart contract work, understanding blockchain, and, and a lot of investors, I mean, I know you, your background's in cybersecurity, so you may have had some background in that, but like, for a guy that just had a passion about like hard money, understanding like the future, uh, you know, I didn't have that technical background. I was a public school teacher. And so it was hard. I, I, I talk about sometimes on the show how I was like looking and applying to different companies in the crypto world because I was just so passionate about the ecosystem. And it was just kind of, you just feel like you, you, you're like constantly trying to find a place to fit in. And now like when you're able to have a, like a wide collective of different unique talents and people coming into the space, it like just changes that game. It changes the whole atmosphere because now someone like me can help explain some, you know, uh, crypto things to people that are coming into the space now or interview people that, like you that can help explain. And it's just, it, it, it's, it feels like this year, everyone kind of can find their place to build. You well said. Yeah. I mean, like, and we've tend to find, or I've been noticing a lot of um, people coming into this space, you know, if they don't have the skill sets, um, like they're an artist coming into the space, like it's, it's, been a lot more readily easily for them, I, I think. I mean, I think I see some artists here that can maybe probably speak better than I could about it, but like, it seems like it's more easy for them to connect with technical people to like achieve what they both want to do, you know, between, yeah. you know, the art and the technical support underneath to be able to put it out there in the world. What, you know, whether it's just like going on um, foundation or super rare and minting, you know, your, your piece of art that you've made, or, or it's like doing something custom and finding a coder, a solidity coder can help you get, you know, your smart contract put together to do that custom thing you want to do. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's it's, it's just incredible to see. Um, now I'm going to pivot here to ask you about CryptoPunks because you were one of the uh, first, you know, one of the first people in this space that really started diving into CryptoPunks. And I, uh, kind of did some wallet stocking and was just like amazed at the, the stuff, the, the amazing CryptoPunks that made their way through your wallet. Um, I have a couple questions about that, but the first one is just, you know, I'd love for you to chat about the first time you heard about CryptoPunks, because the first time I heard about it was in December of 2020. And I looked at my Pranksy was selling them. And I was like, what is this garbage? There's like, this is not art. This is I just didn't get like, it didn't click for me. <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe people are paying an ETH for these things. Uh, and and so I'd love for you just talk about, you know, the potential that you saw in them, what you, you know, the kind of what you felt like you could uh, bring to the table or, it, you know, if it was just about flipping to make profit uh, and just kind of talk about your experience in kind of the crypto punk world. Sure. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I came across it from a, um, 
uh, a Reddit post um, by, I think Pence did it. Um, um, and yeah, it just led to their like GitHub, you know, about the project. And um, I just, you know, read up about it and it sounded cool because, you know, they're presenting it as like this first kind of collectible art on the blockchain. Um, and, you know, that sounded, you know, unique and interesting and, and new to me. And, you know, art, any kind of art like that pushes the boundaries is, is you know, always tends to get attention and interest. And, you know, I had some free time and I took the time to like look at their smart contract and, you know, figure out how to interact with it. Get the, you know, because it, it was just back when like, you know, it was all manual. You had to like, you know, there was no web 3.0 like MetaMask integration. So you had to like, you know, use uh, my Ether wallets like contract interaction feature, uh, you know, and paste in the ABI um, to be able to interact with the smart contract. And then, you know, in this case, like go through this giant PNG file, this, uh, you know, giant image that has, was link mapped to, you know, the 10,000 CryptoPunks and like sift through it to find, you know, visually by, by eye, like what punk you wanted, find the number, uh, and then, you know, plug that into the smart contract and try to um, claim it. Um, and uh, I just, you know, I they mentioned in the in the write up, like, you know, that there is, you know, exactly, you know, 10,000 CryptoPunks and, you know, 88 zombies and 24 apes and uh, nine aliens and exactly one alien of the smoking pipe, uh, which is, you know, Peruvia is now in infamous uh, 7804. So I went, I went to try to go find that one and just sifted through it until I found it and it turned out not to be claimed. And so then I just went through and claimed, you know, as many aliens as I could, which ended up being seven of the nine. And then as many apes as I could, uh, which ended up being actually uh, eight of them. I, I claimed seven on the Stray Bits wallet, but I claimed one other, um, the one I'm using now, 5577, on a separate um, wallet because I thought, well, maybe the wallet that claims them will have some sort of association with them. So, you know, that could be important as the community, you know, builds up. Um, you know, who knows? So I, I ended up claiming that on a wallet that I then for forgot about. Uh, thankfully, <laughs> um, yeah, which I, cause I rediscovered him later, but, um, yeah, it was just kind of like when I was getting into it, like it was just an experiment. I was curious, like, I wanted to know like how the smart contract work, you know, where it could go, what it could mean, you know, it was just something that was inspiring and interesting to me. And yeah, I saw, I saw it could be valuable down the road. Like, you know, if it truly is the first collectible art in the blockchain and maybe like, you know, in 10, 20 years, it'd become worth a lot. Little did I know it would only take four years, but, um, you know, because some of, some of the prices, the trading prices, you know, in the first year mirrored up until, you know, the end of last year, um, you know, for like, so like three years, like they, they didn't trade for a whole lot more than they did, you know, in the, in the previous years. Yeah. Yeah. Because they needed this new ecosystem that's being built. That's like the social aspect of it, which was missing. And I think that has tied so much into like the value and you've seen it just explode ever since you know, it's it's kind of got that social capital element that you're able to show. Um, and I think we were missing that for a long time in the crypto space. Uh, and I, it, this just took me back when you were talking about that. I remember back in 2000, uh, it was 13 or 14 when I first heard about Bitcoin. And I'm not technical. And I tried to download a Bitcoin wallet on my laptop and I couldn't figure it out. I was like, this is, I mean, 
there, there's no way this is going to take off or become a real currency is someone trying to spend an hour trying to just download a wallet can't figure it out and so it, it just reminded me of that as you were talking about how you had to sift through the code and try to c- claim it because the biggest user problem for for years in the space was you know user interface and making it easy to operate and find these things and and so uh, it's amazing that you had that knowledge and that skill to go through and find those. Um, what was it like, you know, when you started interacting and, and, you know, actually finding collectors for these things? Uh, were you, did you have to wait until there was a market or did you, were you like uh, able to start finding people looking for these things through forums or, you know, Reddit or Telegram or Discord? Um, well, I mean, from day one, there's, I think there was already a, a Telegram, or sorry, a, a Discord channel. Um, and that was, you know, one of the first places I went and hung out and talked to the other strange people <laughs> who had also found their way into this weird world. Um, and uh, I built a lot of friendships there. Um, uh, some from some people that I would never have expected uh, that I would, I would um, have a, both a, a friendship and a, a philosophical, a shared philosophical outlook. Um, like, yeah, I, I don't want to get into like name names, but like, there's just some like people from, uh, very big, uh, high end financial, international high financial markets that I never would have thought I would have a, um, a lot of shared philosophical outlooks with. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was mostly through discord. And then also, I mean, the smart contract itself, you know, uh, made it possible for you to advertise that you wanted to sell something. You know, you, you just put it for sale and then on the website, you can go in and, you know, place a bid or try to buy it at that price or, or whatever. Yeah. When did the when did the Larva Lab site go, uh, become functioning to make it kind of easy to operate and, and like do some searching for for these things? Um, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure when all of like kind of the more uh, quality of life stuff was added. I think they added like the, the ability to to bid and buy like relatively early on, um, you know, and integrate with uh, MetaMask. But, you know, it, I'm not exactly certain when, like how long it took. Yeah. A lot of it existed through through Discord, like getting alerts is the, you know, when something went for sale or, or was sold um, or just like manually going and checking the smart contract, you know, and seeing like, is this for sale? If so, what price, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what did you uh, when you when you decided to sell these? I know you had you've sold a majority of them. Looking, what did you uh, did you just kind of sell them because other people were wanting them? You figured you may as well uh, make some more ETH. Uh, and you know, do you ever look back and and now looking back, feel like the you know the Bitcoin pizza guy? That's like, oh wow, I sold a I, I like bought a pizza for the thousands of Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is an interesting thing to reflect on. Um, um, I mean, initially, like I like I claimed effectively like all of the all of the aliens, you know, the 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 highest end here, um, except for like the the one that the devs claimed, you know, in their initial one thousand um, punks that they held onto, and then uh, you know some other person who I don't know who they are, but they claimed the um, the alien with the cowboy hat. Um, and aside from those, like I, you know, I was, I was, uh, had essentially a monopoly on them and then and a third of the, the apes. And so I kind of, I felt a little bad, like a little guilty. It's like, you know, if I just sit on these, like a dragon on the horde, 
like <laughs> yeah. the next several several years, and then it doesn't really help develop the market. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, initially, um, like you know, punks were trading like very low. I mean, like you know, point zero, you know, five or point zero two ETH. Um, and and eventually, like in in talking back and forth with um, with somebody for like a week, um, who I started to develop a friendship with. Um, you know, I ultimately decided to, you know, to sell him one when he offered, I think it was like 12 ETH for, for an alien, um, which at the time, like, especially compared to the rest of the market was incredible. Yeah. You know, like that was this mind blowing, uh, mind blowing amount for these silly little things. Um, and, and so, yeah, I accepted. And then, um, once that kind of price was established, then, you know, over the next like couple months, you know, I sold a couple more or a few more, um, and, and then it was kind of, kind of also during that time. And like, I, I experimented with a couple other projects, um, like, um, Ethercraft was one, mm-hmm. um, and, and a couple others. And some of them went bust. I, I think, uh, initial, uh, pixel offering I, IPO, um, was another, which, you know, you could buy pixels on a, on a board sort of thing and make them into pictures or whatever. And, and a couple, you know, and they kind of went bust or they kind of just like went sideways and, and developers didn't really do anything. And, and so it was kind of like, you know, that when also coming from the ICO period of like a lot of these things going bust, it's kind of like, Oh, you know, maybe it's not going to go anywhere or if it will, it'll be like decades out. So maybe I should just sell them. Um, you know, and, and so effectively that's what I did over the next like year or so year and a half. Um, you know, I ended up selling, yeah, essentially all the aliens and then, um, the seven apes that I claimed from my, um, um, straight wallet. Um, but thankfully not, not this 5577, which I rediscovered later. And, and looking back now, um, you know, as, as much as I'd like to say, well, I wish I still had an alien, um, because of how much it's worth. It's like, but if I didn't sell them and get them out there, then the markets that we see now wouldn't have been established. hundred percent. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, like you need, you need one to happen before the other. Um, and, and also like, you know, the, the ape that I still have now, like, if I still hadn't held on to the aliens up until say beginning of this year and started selling them off, then like one, we, I don't think we'd be as high and two, like cumulatively, like it, they might not even be worth as much as the ape is now, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, so I can sell that, that one CryptoPunk down the road and, you know, be more than happy with the outcome. Um, and you know, it, it would suck to like, let it go. As we talked about earlier, like, like selling these pieces, is not just like, you know, handing over a piece of paper or something. It's like these things have meaning. And so it's not, it's not just the money, but like, you know, it'll suck to sell because I have to let this go. And this part of, you know, this aspect, this has been part of me for the past year that I've, I've put them up as my PFP. Yeah. But on the other, on the other end, it's, it's the big windfall from being early. It's truly, it's, it truly goes to show why you're le- a legend in the space. I mean, uh, and if people don't even realize how important you were, I mean, you, you, like you said, you had a monopoly on the rarest crypto punks, uh, and not to kind of distribute those and to let them kind of evolve in the ecosystem, continue to trade up, uh, would have, you know, like you said, it, when you go to the crypto punks and Larva Labs website, a lot of the punks that have been through your wallet are some of the highest uh, traded 
uh, punks now and that had to start somewhere and you started that kind of provenance in in the ecosystem and so even like you said even um you didn't know what would happen. You didn't know how this would all evolve, but you ended up playing really a critical role uh, with your curiosity and claiming so many and kind of helping be a market maker for those top end punks. Uh, but I do like that how you mentioned kind of the the emotional connection when making a sale because, uh, you know, you also, I'm sure, were in trading crypto and ICOs uh, or, you know, just other coins and I'd love for you to talk about how you how that how that feeling was different from just like flipping or trading a coin versus you know an NFT that you you kind of felt a connection with or especially with the kind of the rarity that they had uh, and then also with the feeling like that I'm curious if you if you started to think about where NFTs could go in the future and thinking wow like this. Like I really like if you started to find con- more conviction about kind of where crypto punks would go down the road because of that feeling you had. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the feelings are at least for me profoundly different. Like trading coins versus NFTs um, for exactly what we touched on. Like you know, for the emotional connection to the art, um, or or the you know who created it, or or the story behind it. Um, you know, when, when trading uh, coins for, you know, altcoins or whatever, like the only real emotion for me is like, you know, am I, am I making a good decision or the thought process? Am I, making, am I making a good decision? Is this, you know, should I hold now? You know, do I wait for a bigger time? You know, it, there's no real attachment other than just trying to make, you know, the most prudent decision you can with your investment. Um, and, and while that, that certainly also exists in the NFT space, like there's there's that aspect of like, yeah, maybe it would be prudent to sell this now. For example, um, cryptodes. You know, cryptodes had a had a nice uh, nice wild ride. Um, you know, with their their, their price, their floor price um, going up not too long after launch, and it was very successful and it went quite high. And like, you know, the prudent investor side of me was like, well, maybe I should sell some of these things. Um, you know, at, at that at this higher price. Um, but but also like the, the the attachment part comes in where you're like, well, but if I sell them, you know, I may not get it back. You know, and that's that's one of the fundamental differences between the fungible tokens and non-fungible is they are unique. And if you sell it, even if you are taking a profit and even if the floor price, you know, drops down half of what it was, like the collector you sold it to may never sell it, you know, again, or they might not sell it anywhere near that price. And they're happy to wait three years to like, you know, sell it at a different price, or maybe they want to fractionalize it or they want to like, embed it into some new project they're doing, you know, in which case you'll never see it again because it's now some crux part of another smart contract. Um, who knows? So, so yeah, there's, there's a much, I think a much more uh, rich decision-making process that goes into like deciding how and when um, to let an NFT go and even how we value it. Like to some people like, you know, one, one um, NFT might be like, not all that inspiring, but to some other, somebody else, they're willing to pay like, you know, 500 ETH for it or a thousand ETH because it, it speaks to them. Um, and that's, that's the real, um, that's where some of like the, the real interesting as, uh, things happen in this space that, that we we never see in, um, in the, the classic, you know, alt trading markets. 
Yeah, I, I'm curious with uh, kind of talking and touching on NFTs, you know, without kind of going into too much detail, I'm curious how much uh, after, you know, your experience with NFTs, kind of seeing the evolution over the last year, how your portfolio has either changed uh, to be weighted heavier towards NFTs over the last year or with different projects coming out. I'd love to kind of uh, pick your brain about like how over the last few years, how that's evolved and um, where kind of your where you focus your attention and energy in, in the crypto ecosystem now. Oh, yeah, uh, the majority of my uh, portfolio by far exists uh, in NFTs um, and uh, which maybe is not the most prudent. But um, I mean, for me, that's that's where I think um, that's where I think the most attention should be given right now. Um, um, yeah, I mean, after the the uh, uh, ICO, excuse me, the crypto winter, um, you know, I, a lot of the the I don't know, a lot of the magic had been sapped out of it for me to some degree, um, and and you know, getting back into the space, in particular the NFT space, and existing in the community as it is now, um, you know, by contrast, like it, like like trading. Um, coins just just doesn't have anywhere near the same appeal to me as it once did um mm. and and so it's it's hard it's hard for me to like want to spend time on that aspect i mean it's important um and, and you know i think any any investor should be like aware of like the whole um space that they're, they're participating in and nfts are just one one aspect of the larger field but um but yeah uh, going forward I'm, I'm absolutely spending you know 99 percent of my efforts and time in the NFT space and helping develop it and, you know, both the community and, and maybe my own projects down the road. That's amazing. I just love to hear too, like that you're, you're thinking about your own project too. And I think that's something that's the, the best part about this space is like everyone finding their own way to add value to be able to do something cool and unique. Uh, and that's what I absolutely love about web three. Um, I'd love for you, we're, after this too, we'll start going to some audience questions if there are any. So if you're in the audience and you would like to ask Stray Bits a question, please start hitting that microphone. We'll start bringing some people up here in a minute. But uh, before we do that, I'd like, you know, there's a lot of new people coming into the NFT space and into this ecosystem. Uh, and and I think something that we often talk about, and there's a, this is like a new culture that you know the GMI we're going to make it is is amazing. But then there's also people that are coming into this ecosystem for the first time, and they may not even have the conviction yet. They're just trying to learn, and and it can be kind of a daunting space. I mean, I remember when I first was getting you know into crypto investing and trying to learn, and I can only imagine now with so many more layers on top of that, and not kind of seeing the evolution. What are some of the things that you like would recommend to someone getting into the space uh, for the first time? And um, based on kind of your learning process, uh, what what are some tips that you may give someone in the audience that may this may be one of the first times that they're even you know hearing about the some of these other things in the ecosystem beyond NFTs? Um, I guess my biggest piece of advice would be to be curious. You know, take the time to investigate and ask questions. Um, you know, I think a lot of people just see it as like another, you know, um, money grab in a lot of ways. And, and some from some projects are, 
um, you know, where they make 10,000 of whatever. And, you know, there's not real, there's not much real substance behind it, whether it's community or, or, um, you know, effort, <laughs> but, um, but I think, yeah, the biggest thing is like, you know, trying to ask yourself like why you're interested in the first place, like what compels you about the space and then finding things, you know, that, that manifests like the higher end of that, that interest, you know, whether it's music NFTs or, or uh, via loops or, or 3d models, you know, whatever it is, like what, what is compelling to you? Um, and then, and then when you find those projects that have, you know, something of interest to you, like, you know, ask questions about like, you know, about the artist, about the process, you know, of making them about like the dynamics that the smart contract can do, like, you know, and you don't have to be like some, you know, you don't have to be a technical person um, to, you know, get some, um, you know, bird's eye view answers on how some of these things work. Like you don't have to necessarily understand, you know, the inner workings of, you know, memory in, in the uh, EVM, you know, you can, you can just understand that the smart contract does X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as long, as long as you get some basic comprehension, um, of what you're interested in and how it works, you know, then that's, that's where you make your decision on, you know, how you like the feel of the NFT or community or the artist or all three. Um, yeah. So curiosity, be yeah. curious and be willing to investigate. Amazing advice from a legend. I mean, that is like one of the best tips that anyone could get in this space. Uh, if there's anything that I've learned in, in my years of investing prior to crypto and during crypto, it's like, Every time you lose money is really a learning opportunity. And anytime yes. you're not making something or a failure, if you stop being curious and you just give up, you're never going to make it. Like the GMI is not true for everyone because it's a, a as a human species, is a very psychological thing with investing. And so you you have to learn from your mistakes and you have to go back and figure out what did I do wrong? How can I do this better? And so I love that you said curiosity because it's like so true. You just can't give up. And we're going to go to some questions um, next. But last thing, because you touched on this, I would love for you to say if in your time, you know, I talk I talk on the show sometimes about some of those failures I've had, but I think uh, I'd love if you could even chat about, you know, something like an experience in the last four, four or five years in the space that you kind of felt like you fell flat on your face, but you were able to kind of lift yourself up stronger after it and become a more, you know, prudent investor and collector. Have you had any of those moments for yourself? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, the, the past several years is littered with them. Um, I just try to look at them as, as like you said, buying a lesson, you know, like you, you, you bought either a $10,000 lesson or maybe you bought a million dollar lesson or like, you know, in the case of selling all the aliens, maybe I, I, I bought a hundred million dollar lesson. I don't know. But like, like, but as long as you're always, like you said, always looking for the lesson, you know, it's not just a failure. It's, it's a learning opportunity. Like everything in our life is, is a teacher. You just have to look for what's being taught. And so like, as long as you can do that, you're always going to be ahead of the game, I think. I love it. All right, let's go ahead and, and head over to uh, Community Corner. Get your catnip and questions ready. It's time for you to take the stage for another segment of Community Corner. Oh, and we've got um, one of my favorite guests uh, on the show, Block Pill. Thanks. He's always in the audience. Appreciate you coming up. Go ahead, Block Pill. How are you doing? 
Oh, I really appreciate the introduction. That's nice. Um, I also love the effects. I don't get the effects in the clubhouse. This is my first time seeing those. So nicely done. I will say that. But um, straight bets, I guess I had a couple questions for you, but I'll start with number one. Um, what do you think of uh, other like L1 chains and other blockchains, um, specifically the Terra blockchain doing the Galactic Punks? That's been their most successful PFP project so far. Just what are your thoughts on kind of like replicating PFP projects on other chains? Um, I guess I've got a mixed feeling about it. Like like other chains doing uh, NFTs is great. Um, I think there's there's ones we should be looking at. Um, the ones that come to my mind are like Solana and um, Tezos, even though I don't have any of either of those, those are ones I'm interested in. Um, but um, if it's if it's just like a straight copy of a project, like for example, Soul Punks, you know, doing the exact copy of Punks, like to me, that's not interesting. It's that's not like what what value are you you know getting when you when you get that? It's just it's just a copy of another piece. Um, if it's something unique, if it, even if it's a derivative, you know, it's their own take on something. You said Galactic Punks. I haven't seen that project, but if it's kind of like I don't know some superhero or galactic guys version of, of the, the punks project, you know, I mean, that could be its own interesting spin and take. Um, some, some punk holders like love the derivatives of punks. Some, some hate them. Um, I just kind of see it as free PR for the most part, but like, um, and an example in a, in a show of like just how impactful punks have been to the, um, the community as a whole. But like, um, yeah, when it, when it comes to other chains, like, I think it's they're absolutely worth uh, investigating, regardless if it's a PFP or just one of ones or some addition series run. Like, what chain is it's on? Like, you know, ends up being, you know, more of a security thing down the road. Like, you know, is the is that blockchain big enough to like, you know, make sure it can resist a fifty one percent attack or or whatever it is. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, the the Tezos stuff, for example, is something I've been wanting to uh, look into more myself. Like, like Hen, the Hen platform is like kind of cumbersome to use, um, but there's a lot of good art on there and unique art. Um, so that like that, to me, that's compelling because it's like, okay, the barrier to entry is, is difficult, not because it's expensive, but because you have to take time to understand it and find it. Um, but that's where, like, that's how I found punks is that I took the time to deal with the cumbersome aspects. Um, and, and I've had other like coin projects, altcoin projects that were like that, that, you know, when they did get better adoption and the methods of accessing them, you know, were built better, like they took off. Um, so it's a good way to find gems by exploring these other blockchains. Awesome. And then uh, I love Hen. Um, I'm a big Hen user. I've been using them for a while. Um, Tenderlist has some great art if you just wanted to look at somebody. But uh, last question Sweet. would be, um, what are your thoughts on, I guess, or not really thoughts, but what was it like for who was kind of a punk holder in the beginning? You know, because you were talking about you never knew who these people were going to be and you wouldn't imagine that you would share some of the same philosoph philosophical thoughts. So who were, I guess, the punks before and then who are kind of the punks now that we know, you know, obviously, if you owned a punk between then and now, you are going to have a lot of wealth due to just what you could sell it for. But um, who were they and who are they now, kind of? Oh, that's, I mean, that's kind of hard for me to answer because I mean, it's kind of a pseudo anonymous space as it is. And, and um, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, dox anyone <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Um, but I mean, I guess who I would say like, you know, is, is like a general frame of an answer. Um, like people who were the punks early were, were kind of like the quirky people who like, 
who like touch on what I said earlier, who were curious enough to like, you know, figure it out and mess around with it. And, you know, most, most people back then had, um, uh, were quite technical, um, or, or, or technically literate. Um, um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to touch on cause it, like I said, it was a variety of, you know, pseudo anonymous people probably, I probably knew like some of the early punks, uh, punk holders, like, um, less deeply than I know, um, some of them now. I mean, I made deeper connections with the ones that I did make connections with, um, back in the day. Um, but now there's, uh, you know, there's a lot more people in the space, a lot more like, you know, um, punk holders in general. And so, um, a lot more people to, um, to talk with and who are willing, willing to share those stories. Um, I think now, now it's much more of a mix of like, um, kind of financial investors, art collectors, um, people who, you know, did well in crypto or who just got in, you know, early, um, into punks, for example, um, you know, at the beginning of the year. Um, but it's, it's certainly a, a broader range. It's not, it's not all like people who are like super technical, um, or, or very technically literate as it was in the early days. Um, that's, that's probably the best answer I can give without kind of getting into details. I, you know, I'd, like I said, I wouldn't want to like necessarily dox anybody. Yeah, and I think that that really is an amazing question too, though, Blockpill, because I'm sure you've been able to notice that the types of people that, like you said, were collecting these these uh, punks have changed in their belief system and what the punks would be like. And now, you know, being able to see it as a very much kind of a, a, as a symbol, as a flex, as a, whatever you want to call what a crypto punk would be as like, a, you know, fine art, uh, it's... It is fascinating to see how there's so much culture that has been built around a punk, um, you know, with even like Jay-Z having, you, you know, his his crypto punk. Uh, it's it, it's it's uh, it, I would love to hear your thoughts about how like this cultural element of celebrities and things coming into the space and using NFTs as their profile pictures and what you think that means for like the future of, of the ecosystem that has been being built for the last decade. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's definitely a huge uh, signaling flag. Um, and I mean, that's what I guess what it comes down to right now is, is these PFP, uh, PFPs and, and also NFTs in general are, are going to be this uh, major online signaling aspect uh, for, um, you know, competency and uh, being native um, to the space, um, and, and signaling, you know, being kind of like modern and on top of things, uh, especially for celebrities, like it shows that they're like, um, you know, technically competent, uh, you know, whether or not they are and they had help getting it or not, you know, it's, it's more about like just their, their public facing, um, side of things, mm-hmm. um, as Jay-Z, you know, um, Gary V is like, you know, drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, and only is he, you know, uh, investing in, and, uh, in, in rare NFTs, but, um, you know, he's building his own platform and his own, um, whole take on the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we're going to see a lot more of that too, not just like celebrities coming in and doing their 10,000 PFP project, but like actually building their own platforms and networks, um, that, um, that will become, you know, much more relevant to not only their fan base, but like, you know, themselves as a brand. Yeah. We're you know, tr- we, we've seen, we've seen, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say we're truly it does feel like at a crux right now where 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 the you know some of the builders that are in the space are really going to um 
be looked at in in years to come by other influencers. You're already seeing it with TikTok people coming into the space. You, you're the people will start to watch others that have success, and they're like, "Oh, how can, I want to replicate that." And uh, you saw it in Web two, and I think we're going to see that in Web three very much, and maybe even faster. Yeah, I mean, adoption in general seems to have been you know much much faster. I mean, the amount of celebrities uh, and public facing figures that have been you know buying buying pumps as one example. Um, you know, it seems like it's like every month there's another one at least at least every month. Um, and it's been amping up faster and faster. So I think when, when platforms like Coinbase um, and you know, some of the other metaverse projects like really take off, um, I think we're going to see a lot more just like general adoption of that. I mean, with both um, Twitter and Discord seeming like they're going to offer the ability to uh, authenticate your, your NFT that you're using uh, to, sit, to say that, yes, you do, in fact, own that NFT, like that's going to be a, a major um, you know, a major thing for community building and, and ensuring the value of these things into the future. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. This has been such an amazing sh- uh, show. I really appreciate you taking time to come on um, and just talk about the history of the space. I always love having um, collectors that have been in the space for years and years come on just because uh, the perspective is a little different. You've you've been able to see the evolution of the ecosystem, and it's always it's always nice to kind of take a step back if you're newer in the space and realize just uh, just the amount of time and energy that's already already been put in and built and how this all ends up being tied together as we continue to build it out. And I love that you kind of ended talking about some of these, these like the metaverses that are being built because it's like another aspect that I always, I always say is kind of like the gold rush uh, of, of, of the the digital world is because like in a hundred years from now, there's going to be these like worlds and infrastructure that is just now starting to develop. And so I love that you mentioned that because I think we're just going to continue to see the evolution of this ecosystem. And now the people that have been onboarded through NFTs are uh, learning and along for the ride, which is amazing. Yeah. It's really going to be something I think completely unpredictable the way it's going to go, um, but it's going to be big and uh, it's going to be one hell of a story getting there. Yeah. Amen, brother. Well, thank you so much for taking time. And if you just came in uh, the show, make sure to listen to the podcast because there was so much uh, information. And if uh, if you did not know Straybit's one of the OG CryptoPunk collectors, I have to uh, finish with this question about your CryptoPunk, the the one ape that you have left. I would love to know: is this your is this your guy? Is this kind of your legend? Uh, is are you going to be able to to let him go uh, for the right price, or is he now becoming your identity in in the metaverse? Um, he is he is my uh, um, uh, a companion with me for now, uh, but he will go <laughs> on his own journey. That would be far more glorious glorious. Uh, I think than what I could I could bring him. Um, so unfortunately, yes, I will be letting him go. He's for sale now for uh, a mere fifteen thousand ETH. That's right. Um, I forgot yeah. he was for sale. <laughs> fifteen <laughs> for the low price of fifteen thousand ETH. Someone in this audience surely has it and can go snag him up while he's on sale. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's that's the floor the floor eight price. Um, and and it has been interesting to see these dynamics, you know, shift uh, as as prices continue to go up. Um, you know, I think, you know, one alien cell 
that sells at 23,000 ETH uh, as it is now will just like reinvigorate the whole market, not just punks. Amen. Um, but but every, everything else, it's, it's, it's really interesting to see those sorts of dynamics. So whether it's an alien or whether it's my ape, um, I certainly hope this, the sale when it happens will like just, you know, catch everything on fire. And that's why you're a legend because you're 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 gonna give him up so that the market can continue to flourish. Appreciate you having having you on the show, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. All right, everyone, take care. This has been another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. This has been another production of Guttercat Studios. All conversations with Crazy Carl are for educational purposes only. You should never take financial advice from a cat or anybody really, especially financial advisors. Take control of your own financial future and do your own research always. That's all for now. Until next time, we'll see you in the metaverse.